So if I sound like I just woke up, I apologize. Uh, we started tearing out our kitchen. Oh, no. And it is torn out, but oh, no. I am exhausted. Oh, like, no. I'm exhausted. This is the first major renovation I've done in my 40s, I guess. No, I started the bathroom <laughs> when I was 40. I don't know, but man, it feels different than it did in my 30s. Oh, <laughs> wait, sure. till, wait till you get to your 50s. Talk about muscle aches. <laughs> your muscles ache just moving around in a regular day without doing anything. Yeah. yeah. Every morning I wake up and uh, I think to myself, am I am I getting sick? I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm just 53. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I just haven't moved in eight hours. And now i got to oil everything up again. Yeah. <laughs> like the Tin Man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there's the, the the Louis C.K. bit where he, I, I think it's like his ankle. He goes to the doctor for his ankle, and he's like, "Yeah, you just doctor's like you just have a crappy ankle now. Like, there's nothing you can do. You just have <laughs> a crappy ankle." Is. Yeah. Bob, tell us what's what's going on. So you ripped it down. You're going to redo electrical circuitry, everything going down to zero. Well, kind of. Um, so flooring. It's kind of threshold. It's kind of hard to explain without seeing steps. the 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 layout of it but basically there was a big pantry and uh kind of a a built-in in in the room next to it so this one wall was pushed in and basically we just tore that wall out and we're gonna basically flatten the room and expand the room make it big and instead of having this nice big walk-in pantry we're gonna replace one wall with uh like pantry shelves floor to ceiling and add a big island in the middle wet island or electric and water in it do it is going to be electric and water uh, on the island? They'll be electric because we're going to do a, a new big range, like a 36 inch, not huge, but 36 on the wall, and then a smaller 24 in the island. Um, we have a big family, and when yeah. COVID is not happening, we usually cook for a lot of people and have people over a lot and stuff like that. So one of the big things about this kitchen reno was – having more cook capacity and more serving capacity and more sitting capacity. You know, those are the, the kind of big things. So this island is going to be like 10 feet long, stools on one side, an oven in it, um, and then, you know, just opening up the room quite a bit. So that will require – I'm going to make all the cabinets. I'm going to say we're going to make all the cabinets because right. I'm not going to make them all. Josh is going to help. <laughs> we're going to make the cabinets. Um, putting down the same wood flooring that we have in the rest of the house that I've been working on since we moved in. We're going to carry that through. Nice. So it'll have all new flooring. It's going to look really, really good, I think. And then um, uh, we'll have, you know, new lighting and new everything. But the wall that we moved is, like, it it didn't do anything. It served a, a purpose from a space perspective. It created those two little things that we don't need. And so it was super easy, not load bearing or anything, super easy to just knock out. Well, it I would say it wasn't easy to knock out. It was actually really difficult to knock out, but we got it out and it didn't cause any other effects. So that's moved. There were two layers of linoleum. So there was the original linoleum and then an eighth or a quarter inch layer of plywood and then another layer of linoleum. And so, yeah, so we had to get the first, the top and the plywood up. It was stapled down with, I think, one-inch staples. Super long staples. Just ridiculous. And luckily, it wasn't glued down, so we could kind of get under it and kind of start to pry the staples up. But then most of them popped through. Yeah. So when it was all up, we had 
a field of staples oh. in the floor that, you, that were too long to pull out. So Josh and I split the load yesterday of just, you know, like this side, just go hammer them all down flat because we're just going to put the new floor on top. It yeah. doesn't matter. But yeah. anyway, so it's we're down to almost a clean slate now to start building things back up. Uh, we have one more doorway we're going to open up and make it wider and put in some fixed glass panes on the side. So it'll just look bigger, even though the actual door opening will be a whole lot bigger. And that's today. So after today, theoretically, we should be ready to start like putting things back. And um, and I got to do a little bit of electrical in the new wall. And I have to run electrical for the, the current oven circuit is in the wrong place now. And so I've got to like draw that back and then put it to the island and then put it to the wall where it's going. We've got a plumber coming to do a gas line to the wall. Luckily, we can get to all that. Like in the office here and in the room where we do our podcast stuff, um, it's all right below the kitchen. So we have access up into that to, to run those lines and everything. Yeah. It's pretty handy. Like we have more access to the places that we need than I think a lot of people would. So that's pretty cool. But man, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny when you get into that, your adrenaline starts going. You don't realize that you're a little, you might be going outside your, yeah. your physical exertion, you know, daily physical exertion allotment until the next couple of yeah. days. Yeah. But we got a, uh, this is such a silly thing. We got a dumpster yesterday. The guy drove up and like put it in our driveway right out the window of our kitchen. It's on the second story. So, well, I mean, we have a basement, basically, and so it's on the first story. But put this dumpster right below the window from the kitchen, and so we just, as we tore things out, we threw it right out the window into the dumpster. And it's the coolest thing. I kind of want to just like, have a dumpster now at my house from now on so that I could just <laughs> throw stuff away. But so we're going to take advantage of that and, and just get rid of all the stuff in the shop that we've not been you know, getting around to throwing away because it's kind of a hassle. So we're going to load that thing up. Yeah, yeah, we we share a dumpster with my neighbor, so you know we, he pays one month, I pay the other. And doing some renovations here at the house, I just throw it all in my truck and it's gone. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it's nice. Mm. But going into the winter, honestly, we we pulled out a ton of wood out of the house uh, during these two little renovations. My guys, <clears throat> my guys, Mike and Brian did up here, and we burned it all. So we had tons of wood to burn in this shop during this big winter snap. Mm. It's finally get today's going to be the warmest day in like the last month and a half supposedly just happened to notice that on the phone so that's exciting but i've been working on uh i had a, a video you know sometimes when you work with like sponsors they have certain allotments like i had to finish this one video for in the month of february for their you know for their financial reasons and so <clears throat> i wasn't really prepared and we signed the deal on monday it was we've been talking about it and so then okay you think you could have it by for Friday with a Wednesday approval, which is this morning. And I started this video. We have this all kinds of pre-production people here at the house. So my time has been like sucked up. So I really, knowing I had to do this video, I started it yesterday at like 1.30, 2 o'clock. And I finished it at 3 a.m. And, you know, that's what the commercial included in it and the build video that was all together. I All in like whatever, whatever, how many hours that is. That's, that's 12 or 13 hours. And so I'm a little tired because I I, yeah. I laid on the bed last night in all my clothes at about 3.15 a.m. And I said, oh, don't forget to set your alarm. And then 
I heard the rooster crowing and the, the sun was coming up and I was like, oh man, I hope I didn't, I hope I'm not laying here at 9.15. And I looked at my phone and it's, it was 8.15. So thankfully I got up in time and wow. um, here I am. And I made, uh, I did this thing with field notes. I showed it on Sunday. So it's going to be another leather style video. I'm holding them in my hand right now. I did field notes, but it's going to be an interesting video because I introduced a couple of machines that I never really exploited on my channel. One that chops the corners. Can you guys see like the corners on this book? Ooh, All the yeah. corners are chopped round. Oh, yeah. And uh, we have a hot stamper. It's Taylor keeps it in her studio, so I never really use it. It's uh, these little leather bound kind of field notebooks they don't forget on the front. And um, they're hot stamped. And I show Taylor setting up the hot stamp die and how it works. And uh, yeah, so there's a couple machines in the video that'll be, uh, the video might even be out before this publishes due to the technicality of how they have to have it out. But anyway, it's a audible, audible mm -hmm. sponsor. And um, so I was just jamming on that. And then the, the bigger project that's going to take several weeks to finish is the barbecue smoker, which I talked about a little bit. I'm learning all about the science of smoking in a barbecue smoker and, and uh, the airflow and the firebox and the exhaust and the diameter. There's all kinds of smoker formulas. So oh. smoker formula. I'm saying I'm trying to hide my Long Island accent. Smoker <laughs> formula. Smoker formula. Yeah, that's my Long Island in me. I'm never going <laughs> to listen to this, so I could talk how I want. I can't listen to my voice sometimes. I get a little embarrassed. So there's lots of formulas to figuring out the size of things and the flow and all that stuff. And I bought stainless steel grill at the request of one of my buddies who's a chef and who builds smokers it's like no no it has to be stainless and this has to be and, and i come just keep going to mcmaster car i i probably bought two thousand dollars worth of steel from mcmaster car at this point and different types of size oh, steel from the steel mill is about a thousand and from mcmaster car is about a thousand so it's uh it's going to be a pretty hardy build like a pretty substantial build so i'm excited about it and I already, I'm gonna, like, I already have like three or four people like, oh, no, no, when we're ready to cook on that thing that day, we'll all be there. So it's going to be a pretty exciting. Uh, nice. Yeah. Like I said, I, hopefully we don't have snow on the ground, but I don't know if that's going to be avoidable at this point. So I'm excited about the smoker build. I'm going to jump back in it today. And uh, yeah, just production. We're making toolboxes, making lots of toolboxes. I'm at a capacity now where I think we might consider getting a second CNC machine, whether I pay for it or if I could make a deal with uh, ShopBot. So we're gonna we're looking at getting another big four by eight machine just to keep and have it in a different location. So we could have two or three things happening at the same time. We're building out the inside of the barn finally, and that's gonna. I'll do some Instagram on it this week, but you'll see. We decided. I asked for plywood. I asked the audience, and a few people jumped in, tried to help me. So thank you all for that. But plywood is fifty dollars a sheet for plywood that was thirty dollars a sheet, you know, six months ago. And oh, there's yeah. a sawmill down the block, Mike the guy who's doing the carpentry work with Brian at my shop here, Mike's like, why don't we plank it? And I was like, oh my God, what a stroke of genius. So we're just going to put 16 foot. We, the highest point we have to go 20 vertically. We're going to put 16 and four foot pieces and stagger them. And so yesterday I ordered $3,000 worth of rough cut planks. So the barn is going to be skinned. It's going to look like the inside of a barn. It's going to, I think it's really going to look great. I don't know why we didn't think of that straight away. It's funny to me, I mean, when you think about it, like a manufactured thing like plywood, it makes sense that that would be more expensive. But it's crazy to me that 16 foot long planks to cover the entire inside of the barn is cheaper than plywood. It's oh, yeah. just 
one by eight. Yeah, you one know? by eight uh, foot. Seems really bad. One by eight inch planks, and it's a real one by eight because it's done at a sawmill. Rough cut. It's going to have that's like awesome. saw blade marks, circular saw blade marks on it, not bandsaw marks. And that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily realize. Sometimes you get milled wood and it's done on a bandsaw mill, which the lines would be straight. Sometimes it's a circular saw mill, which is kind of a little bit more old fashioned looking. And so these will all be circular saw mills from the circular saw mill. And the, the guy's like, oh, yeah, it's going to basically be fresh cut. So it'll definitely shrink and expand just like deck decking planks. They're going to definitely open up. So what they typically do is they put like black tar paper behind it. So when it opens up, whatever reveals is going to be just black. And uh, over time, the wood will oxidize. It'll go from being like a super bright white now. In a few months, it'll start to turn a little bit more yellow. So I'm really excited about this idea. It wasn't something... It was just like went right over our heads. And then Mike, the carpenter, was just like, why don't you plank it like we've done some other stuff? I was like, wow. I don't know why we didn't think of it. And it was it's it's physically half the amount of money as the plywood would be. Wow. So, and it's just, and it's going to look better. So the, the one thing I was kind of hung up on plywood is because I was hoping we could pull tiles off the wall if we needed to deal with wiring or something. But we could still do the same thing with this. It'll just be a little bit more finicky trying to pull off. You know, if we had to pull a section, we'd have to pull... A lot more screws but nothing's getting glued in place and everything is fixable so it's uh we're excited i'm definitely excited and uh would it be worthwhile to make um some sort of a panel system out of like if you know there's a certain area where there's going to be wiring that you may need to get to could you like you know build a few planks into a panel that you could easily lift off well you know it's funny i said i go let's say let's say there's a situation where we have to like get at a whole run what we would potentially, and then we're just thinking of the worst case scenario. What we would do is we could mark the planks in order and then with a circular saw blade, just slice out a whole section and then just remove that between, because it's there's purlings in the whole room that go every two feet. They go horizontally across the entire room. And then the planks are going to go from floor to ceiling against that. So if we ever had to get out a section and I was willing to just be like, whatever, there's going to be a saw mark on the wall. We'll just cut out that whole section so we don't have to go all the way up to 20 feet to remove all that, you know, that plank. But that's really unlikely. But, you know, in, in a real worst case scenario. And it's not going to be the inside of the house. Let's say, for instance, we had to run a, in an emergency, we had to run a circuit. We can just run it on the outside wall inside of a pipe, you know, right. and it'll look rustic. What, Dave? Do you have to, for the planks, since it's winter, do you have to put spacing in between them? Because it's going to expand in the spring, right? No, well, they're fresh cut, so it's only going to get smaller at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're, they're definitely going to start shrinking, but... When you when you do anything, in my opinion, as as a visual artist, in my opinion, I I think if you put anything on the wall, as long as it's consistent, you know, your your mind will be okay with it. Even if it's just like, yeah, you know, how many off, how many times you look into like a design magazine and you see somebody like do the interior of a house with some really crappy material that you wouldn't have thought of, but when you see a lot of it, you're like, oh, that really looks good together. And so it's the same mm-hmm. thing with this. It's like it will expand and contract, but it will all do it in unison. So if like half the room isn't expanded and the other is, it'll look kind of like. But I think it's all going to happen together. So on certain times of the year, there'll be cracks. On other times of the year, those cracks will be smaller. And there's gonna, we figured out a whole screwing system so that like the screws will be exposed on the surface. It'll basically be like a hex bolt with a washer behind it exposed on the surface. So the whole room's going to look like it's riveted up on the walls. And uh, my guys are really meticulous. Cool. These guys that have been working with me, and they just they'll run laser levels and stuff. So it's, I think it's going to be a fantastic look. I'm real excited about that. You know, we finally came to a solution that everybody's happy with, and that's affordable. So, hmm. 
And then we're gonna once uh, we're doing. Uh, I think it's no secret that we have like a production coming here, so uh, the production wants to do it in that barn. So it's good timing. Part part of the reason I knew that this production was a uh, you know an eventuality. So I said let's start skinning the barn. That'll happen going into spring. So we have a couple of months to get this done. But also there's some people pre-producing here, looking around, and they want to make the barn the the character on this this thing we're working on. Start putting some machines in there and clean it up and get it all organized. It's going to look great. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great shop once, uh, you know, with this fire under my butt to get it done right. It's it's going to be really good. And uh, these guys nice. see all my old machines and they're like, can we have this machine over there? Can we put that? I'm like, yeah. And I left everything on pallets so we could move things quickly. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. But, uh, you know, worst case scenario, the shop's just going to get done finally, you know, like the way it's supposed to be. And uh, mm. yeah. Yeah, 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 that's that. Cool. So this week we we called an audible. Um, we had another project planned, and then uh, Claire uh, Saf- Safitz, uh she has her own cooking channel. She used to be with Bon Appetit, but she put out a video of her. Oh yeah, th- she's great. Yeah, uh, she's one of my favorites uh, on on YouTube, and she put out a video of thirteen favorite kitchen gadgets she can't bake without, and one of them was this offset spatula. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided to make a couple of them. That's cool. And uh, I thought this would be this would go great with my new book. This project is not in the book, but it would. I can use it to help kind of promote the book. So um, it's just basically it's it's a spatula with stainless steel. And you mentioned McMaster Car earlier. Like, I don't know how they ship so fast. If I order McMaster Car today, it <laughs> arrives tomorrow morning. Like it's insane, it's crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so, so is that where you got the the stainless? Yeah. Like blank? You, yeah, what, just a twelve by twelve stainless it? steel. I got two. I got the mirror finish, and then I got the number four finish, which is kind of like a brushed finish. Um, and um, it turns out I didn't really need the mirror finish because it gets dinged up. In the process, up anyway. while, you, while yeah. you're working on, yeah. yeah. So you just take the Scotch Brite pads and you can reintroduce that pattern back in there. And for some reason, they only come with protective coating on one side. So I end up polishing hmm. the other side anyway. But um, hmm. a plug for McMaster Car, they their nut and bolt finder is absolutely incredible. I have to get certain. It's such a good website. Yeah. For the go-kart, some things are metric, and then some things are the stupid USA one, and some things are the um, coarse thread and fine thread. And so I just got one of those, that big chain of, like, the thread checker, so it has every single thread imaginable. And then you just go to their website, and you're like, I need a hex, and then I need this size, and I need this size, and I need it out of this material, and it just keeps narrowing it down. They're, they're bolt and nut checker or finders just incredible wait back up just a second ago you said you've got a big chain what, what so was that? um it's a it's basically it's it's got all the um i'll send you an amazon link real quick it's it's a thread and it's a thread f- finder so you can take your bolt and you screw it onto yeah. this thing yeah it comes on a loop like a big oh. loop of cable and you, it has every size so you check it against it so if you find a nut in the street or you take something out of a machine and you don't know what size it is you need to get more of them you just try it on the checker chain 
Yeah. Oh man, I totally yeah. need that. Uh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. You see them in hardware stores, but now a lot more shops like us have them. I know Aaron has a couple of them, but I haven't really needed them, but I know they're there. Yeah. I haven't needed them because I know the size of everything by looking at it because I'm a genius. <laughs> La <Lottie>, da. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I have used it at the store. That's cool. So, uh, um, yeah, so that's what that's what we we just finished. I was hoping I could send. I, I would love to send her one of these since it's her favorite tool, and she probably has some sort of store bought one. But her her website doesn't have any kind of PO address or anything. So I'll just tag her in Instagram and mention her in the video and see if she can if I can get her attention. Mm-hmm. Me and Brad have been talking behind the scenes. Me and Brad Leon, we keeps he keeps threatening to want to do something with me. I think he wants me on another episode of uh, It's Alive. So we'll see what happens. Oh man, we've been yeah. talking for like the last two months on Instagram, but uh, you know we haven't pulled the trigger. I'm on this meat smoker, he said he goes, I will absolutely be there when you're ready to try it. So I'm gonna have if he comes, it'll be Brad, my buddy Mike the Fireman, and uh, uh, my buddy Will, who's a, a big chef in New York. So. We'll see. It'll be fun if they have each one of those guys as huge personality. So if I have the three of those guys on camera, it'll be very funny. No, no kidding. Is Brad still with Bon Appetit? Or is he? He is. He is. He is. He's, the, he's the one the holdout that didn't seem to get in any trouble. So he's doing good. He's doing good. I'm sure it's, I'm sure there's other things in store for him, but I just don't know what, you know, I don't know what and how and when. That's the one thing I miss since um, Claire left is Claire and Brad on camera at the same time because they work yeah. so well together. So hopefully yeah. once uh COVID is is over with, we can they can get back on camera together. Yeah, somehow, some way. Yeah. Yep. Um, but we had mentioned talking about like um like sketching and stuff, and you said yes. that you 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 know, you did those notebooks. Yep. And I don't know, before we started recording, we kind of briefly talked about that. So I'm curious how you guys use sketchbooks at this point, how often you sketch, what you do with them yep. after you're done, all that type of stuff. My biggest problem, I love sketchbooks, obviously. I make them all the time. And I pretty much uh, about a year ago, I said to myself, I'm not going to sketch in a book that I buy anymore. And mm. it's kind of a, a annoying because occasionally I'll be in a store and I'll find a really cool sketchbook. And I'm like, oh, man, this is cool. But I'm like, wait, I picture like all my stuff in Smithsonian in like a hundred years. I'm like, I can only sketch in books that I hand make myself like Thomas Jefferson. It's like, it's a stupid <laughs> rule I made for myself. So I, I and now I'm really more inspired by other sketchbooks more than anything. But uh, I find myself doing like basic, silly ideas in my notebook and the sketches are horrible. They're really like, like my last video where I put the tab and slot leather stuff. I did a couple of little notes I do these notes in my sketchbook, which are more like, like save the concept, you know, as opposed to like save the date for like a wedding, which isn't the proper invitation. I always say like, save the concept here. I just get it on paper so that eventually when I'm on an airplane or have more time to kill, I could sit and try to plan it out a little bit more accurately. But I tend to find that I always do those more technical, really cool, accurate drawings on the back of an envelope or on a piece of random paper that's not stuck in my notebook. There was a time, and, and I have probably 100 sketchbooks scattered around. I know I have all my sketchbooks from uh, the beginning of my city days, all in one big bin. There's a lot of old, those old black-bound notebooks that we would draw on, uh, like an 8x10 you know, with the hard uh, black cover. And as time went on, I started drawing in smaller notebooks. And 
there was a time where I would draw on anything and then just staple it into a book. So I had one of those kind of more of like a scrapbook. But you guys know Peter Beard, Peter Beard, the photographer? You guys know who that is? No. We should look him up. Maybe he'll be my recommendation for this uh, episode. But he was a jur- he would journal, and his journals are are world famous because he would journal in these big books, like 16 by 20 inch books. And he would draw in his own blood, and he was a photographer, and, and every page is like a work of art, like obsessive, crazy, like work of art, like like like. Remember the the, the movie Seven when they found that guy's notebooks? His notebooks are like that obsessive, but um, like in his own personal way. Are you guys looking at his pictures? Yeah, there's one. Uh, there's a picture of and, a lion, and it's, and it's framed in his blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> he just died. He died at the beginning of COVID. He lived in Long Island. He was a he was an elderly man at this point. But uh, he was like a fashion photographer in the 60s and 70s. And there's a, there's a famous picture of him hanging out of an alligator's mouth, drawing in a notebook. He literally climbed into the mouth of an alligator that was dead and then uh, just like hung out casually and sketched in one of his notebooks. So that's a famous picture what? that we've all seen. What's his last name? Peter what? Beard. Beard. B-E-R-D. B-A-R-E-R-D. Some kind of weird spelling of Peter Beard. If you oh, Google image okay. it, it'll probably correct it because his images are really world famous. He's a famous photographer oh, in first, but yeah. then his then his journals became world famous. But I have a fantasy of making journals like that. But uh, I, I have just a, I have a very splintered attention span when I start sketching in a notebook, and I always find that I never finish notebooks. I get to the end where there's like six or eight, ten pages left, and I'm like, all right, I'm done. Let me start a new notebook. And that always annoys me when I pick up a notebook and the, the whole back is done, like still ready to be drawn in. So there's all kinds of weird quirks about <laughs> notebooks. And uh, But the, one, the most important thing, how many times have you guys ever like built something? Do you guys do this? I build something, and then I go back and I drew the sketch in my notebook just so that in like five years from now when I'm looking through the notebook, it's kind of a, it's like more of a, a journal of time. You know, so there are notes, there are sketches in my notebook of things that I had already built, and then I draw them in my notebook. Sometimes I'll draw them in a way, but like next time I do it, I'll draw it like I'll build it like this, or you know, with improvements. But it's really more to keep a record of time, because you know, and uh, you know, that's basically what it is. I'm journaling, but I'm not journaling in words. I'm journaling in mostly images. Yeah. You guys, so do you have a, a, You guys have any quirks about I, sketching? Well, I'm curious. Do you have like a <clears throat> do you carry one with you everywhere you go? That Always, makes sense in the yeah. field notes one, like the yeah. one that you could like slip in your pocket. Yeah. But a lot of people will have larger sketchbooks. And I have like the notebooks that we sell. I'll use those occasionally, but I never take it with me anywhere because it's just like a. I always, I always have my notebook nearby. I always have my notebook nearby. And, you know, I find myself obsessively carrying it and mm-hmm. uh, not. I carry it 100% of the time and I draw in it like 10% of the time. It's almost like a little bit of a security blanket. It's always nearby. It's always on the front seat of my car. And as I started making these leather-bound journals last year, and those are the ones that I always keep around. And the reason I carry it now more than anything is because they last. And my these notebooks that I made for myself seem to be the with a full leather. I never actually owned a leather-bound notebook until I made one for myself. So the the cover is so durable. The binding doesn't break. The cover's not going to rip off. It's like one continuous piece of leather from back, front to back. So there's no binding. There's no hinges. It's a little bit harder of a book to open flat. So I find myself kind of drawing in the book a little awkwardly sometimes, like kind of drawing with the crotch, like at the top of my hand, not necessarily to the left or the right of my hand. And so my notes, are, like if you open the book, kind of like a Rolodex, and my notes are drawn in it like that sometimes. But 
these books last, these ones that I've been making last longer than anything I've ever bought, whether it's a moleskin or you know, just a book from the art store. So I tend to carry it more. When I have a, a sketchbook and it starts to deteriorate or it seems like the cover's going to go, I, I stop carrying it. I just like, I'll leave it on my desk and only draw when I'm at my desk. But now these leather ones, I tend to carry them more often. And I filled one up completely, which is right here. Hang on a second, I'll grab it. And <clears throat> this is the one that I, I show in the opening of my last video, which is like, an, it's like the uh, veg tan leather one with the imprint on it. This one is filled front to back, and then I started a second one this year. So I, I, I'm, really, I'm really excited to have this as an object. You know, it's like kind of a, one of my prized possessions. And I want to, my goal is to fill up a bunch of those. So I find myself kind of obsessively drawing things that I otherwise wouldn't have drawn. It's a way to force myself to draw. So I just figured if, maybe we have some quirky behaviors around <laughs> sketching and drawing. I take a different approach to the notebook. I recently, like two, three weeks ago, I put out a video on on pencils because I've lately, and this is just a new thing for me in 2021 is I forced myself to keep a field notes notebook in my back pocket because taking notes on my phone just doesn't work. And I don't have, there's no real quick and easy way to sketch something on the phone. I don't like sketching with my finger. Um, so I found a pencil that I can keep with me in my pocket at all times, except right now it's on the kitchen table. It's not, um, it's not in my pocket, but, um, and I have a subscription to field notes, which is crazy, but every quarter I get a new package of, of field notes. And, but my approach is, uh, mine's not a journal. I, when I die, I want somebody to toss them out immediately. Cause they're, they mean nothing to nobody else. They're not, there's no, it's like, so how I use my notebook is like, it's usually like I'm writing down like a, a, a three or four word sentence. Like, oh yeah, here's an idea for a project. I may sketch something out. Uh, a lot of times it's like when I need to remember measurements when I'm in the shop, I'll write, you know, 26 by 33 and in that page of the notebook. Or uh, I had to take some medication where the first day I had to take five pills and the second day it was like three pills and the third. And so I made a little checklist in my notebook and each new thing doesn't get its own page. I continue writing on the same page until that page is filled up and then I move on to the next one. And there's nothing there's nothing cool about it. There's nothing I want I don't want anybody to ever see it. It's just something that I can just take mental notes but make those mental notes into the physical world because once I write something down, I don't forget it. I don't usually need to go back and look at it. But the, the physicality of me, like actually writing something helps me remember that. And uh, totally that's half the reason I write a lot of notes just so I could visually remember, like looking at me drawing the words. Yeah. And so um, I, so I don't go through a lot of notebooks, probably one every like I'm, I haven't been consistent with keeping this notebook, but I'm going to assume like I'm going to go through one of these field notes notebooks, like one every two months. And I know when I put a new one in my pocket, I can tell that it's new because it's not curved to my butt yet. And I like yeah. I like how it wears <laughs> and, and feels. But yeah, I don't want anybody looking at it. So when I die, please throw away my notebooks. Do not look in them. I think I'm I'm even one step further down that same path. So I pulled the last field notes that I used is been on my desk in this pile of other garbage, like just 
you know, and I'm looking through it trying to figure out when the last time I wrote in it, and I see 2017 in it. Oh, no. Like, I, I wrote 2017, which means that that was coming up. So this is probably 2016, the last time I actually wrote in it. Well, no, because there's a few things I've done here at the house. So, but I'm the same way, David, in that, like, you look at this page, and it says, bunk beds. That's all it says. And then on this page, it has a bunch of numbers that I don't know what they go to. And here's a weird little sketch of a ball joint that I don't know what it was for. And, like, they're useless even to me. So I'm going to throw this away. <laughs> so I don't even <laughs> want anybody else to... It's gone. What I do uh, these days with paper is I have these little uh, four by six lined post-it notes. And so it's, you know, bigger than the little square post-it note. But it's it looks like the tiny little... Uh, you know, pads of paper, but they all have a sticky top to them. And so I'll write notes on these and then I pull them off and stick them to my monitor or take it into the shop and stick it on the wall where I'm using a thing and I have those. And I, there's always a few of them around on the desk based on like, this one is an electronics project that I'm working on and it just has the UI kind of flow chart of it. And this will only be here until that thing's done, which actually it's pretty much done. So I should throw this one away. But it's just here to have like a uh, a temporary, you know, write something down, get it out of my head, put it there until it's done, and then I toss it. So I don't really collect sketches for things anymore. If I ever sketch something for a project, it's not to have, like, a pre-visualization of it. It's just to, like, I need a reference for measurements that I'm taking, or maybe if I'm trying to work out a mechanism or something. But really, the... The way we do that type of stuff these days is the whiteboard. So we have this entire wall behind me in the office is a whiteboard. And that's where most of sketching around different options and ideas, it all happens there, which means it gets erased within a day or two of it being drawn because we're moving on to the next thing. So I don't, I think this is another one of the interesting differences between the three of us is like, I don't see myself as an artist. I don't expect to be known as an artist. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. That's just not how I think of myself. It's not an interest that I have. And so I don't really... I've never considered that after I'm gone, somebody would want to have a sketch <laughs> of something that I did. Because my sketches are garbage. They're just like the minimum amount of information to get an idea from here to the shop, you know, or whatever. So, like, that's a whole different thing. At the same time, going to art school, I know tons of people who cherished their sketchbooks and I probably still have some of my sketchbook from college because I just haven't ever thrown them away um, but there are people who you know from when they were in high school they started mm -hmm. having a sketchbook all the time and they kept everything in it and they put yeah. them on a shelf and they number them with the years and stuff and that's awesome because I think that's a great way to go back and look through yeah. your work I've but never been that mind, obsessive in my mind YouTube is that for me now Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's that's my legacy of projects of creative things, I think. So, you know, like the one notebook that ends up on a shelf can be thrown away, but anybody who's ever interested in anything I do after I'm gone can find it on YouTube until that goes away. So, you know, that's that's kind of how I look at the whole thing. Sketches are pretty disposable for me. Here's why I don't want anybody to see my sketchbooks. And that is because I do consider myself an artist. And I think if somebody saw my sketchbooks, uh, it it would be an embarrassing. It could, because if I identify myself <laughs> as an artist, uh, seeing my sketchbooks could 
take away somebody's uh uh, how how they see me and see me as no this dude is no way he's not uh, he can't even draw a box you know so that's why i don't want somebody to see my sketchbook i'll tell oh, you guys would, a funny story i would disagree with that because i think if you look at some sketches from some of the greatest artists in history the sketch is exactly that it's a sketch it's a they need some piece visualized and that's the piece that they're focused on not necessarily yeah. like it being you know proportionate or any of that type of stuff well i i my dad is is alive and well, but there was about about twenty years ago. I was fiddling around in the attic at my mom's house, and I found a notebook that my dad had when he was in like the naval. He, my dad, went to some school in the navy, some, having something to do with the navy, in like nineteen sixty. And it was my dad's notebook. He had just got out of high school. He was just maybe a year or two out of high school, and he was in this, some naval program. And his sketches in the margins were just doodles. And I was, it was, it was like seeing a whole another part of somebody you thought you already knew you know so there was some technical stuff in it but the most interesting stuff was his doodles and on the cover of the book he drew these cartoon characters and a certain lettering style of making like bubble letters and 3d letters it was just doodles and sketches but it was right away i saw that and it was it struck me in the way that like oh wow my dad you know i always thought of my dad as an artist but he never thought so he still doesn't see himself as an artist you know which i i I always was trying to say you're an artist and he's like i'm just a carpenter you know he never like he's from a different generation where he didn't nurture that part of him but seeing his notebook it was almost like uh like i could see what he's always holding back in a way like in a moment of relaxation throughout various lectures and stuff he was just sketching silly stupid things in this in the margins of this magazine of this uh this technical journal so I don't know. I just, I see that. And I always like, as I'm drawing drawings, I think like, you know, who, what part of my family, future generation is going to find this and know a little bit more about me from seeing this sketch. I mean, and that's part of my day now. And it's part of my life. I constantly have to draw drawings, help me visualize stuff. I draw drawings constantly. And, and what helps me a lot in the shop is I draw on the big table with Sharpies. And it's usually more just tick marks. And like, a lot of times you see people draw cut, cut lists. I'm never really good at you. Every time I try and draw a cut list, I always screw something up. I have to kind of draw right on the plywood I'm about to cut so that I don't mess it up because I always do my math wrong. And uh, I'm making another cabinet, by the way, for a Rockler video. And I haven't really had to make a cabinet in a long time. And i just having a hard time remembering, like, don't forget to subtract the width of the other intersecting piece, add the intersecting piece width, and so on and so on. So I'm getting I'm getting my, uh, my chops back for cabinet thinking. So I had a little. I had to keep redrawing this one cabinet the other day. But, so anyway, that's just that's my thought on that. We yeah. should talk well, about. I, the I just fo- put this yeah. link. <laughs> I just put Wait, a link to a news article where um, three sketches from Picasso sold for forty three thousand dollars. And if you look at the main picture that popped up, it looks like uh, my kids could do better than that. So if you know. $43,000, I think you should maybe hang on to your sketches and not worry about them painting you in a bad light. But uh, see, oh, yeah, would, yeah. would Picasso want <laughs> that, that to be out? Like, that's... That, that's he doesn't seem like he was too self-conscious. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it looks a whole lot like the rest of his work. <laughs> I like Picasso. I'm just, I'm kidding. I get the thing. I get why he draws the way that he draws. But this one, like, out of context... You know, if you're not, if you don't know about cubism, you don't know like the goal of what he was trying to visually do and stuff. It looks like something that one of my kids would have tried to draw a cat. So that is part of a great artist's 
process is having a terrible sketch mm. or a whatever you know a less than awesome sketch. But, um, so I don't I don't think that necessarily would paint you as an artist in a bad light to have the preparations for your final work. Yeah still available for people to see because yeah. i really think that's what it is I, yeah i think that the, the point is when i sketch in my notebook it is it is purely for me and it is not for anybody else's eyes because it would be confusing if you went through my sketchbook because you're going to see my prescription pill intake on the same page as the drawing <laughs> for this offset spatula <laughs> right. that i made so, right so it, it would make no sense to to anybody else so um, but Jimmy's got me kind of thinking it would be a good exercise for me and maybe for other people if I did make some sort of fancy sketchbook uh, like like you're doing for your video. And that is the thing where like, you know, 10 minutes every day I draw something in there that could be a potential project or an art piece or just an idea. Mm-hmm. And it would be cool that that's the only thing that that notebook is for to see the the, the progress because I you know you do something that anything for thirty days and you're going to get so much better at it. So maybe uh, maybe I do watch his video and make my own and that's my that's my sketchbook that can outlive me. That's a good idea. So I have a question about sketching in general for the both of you. Do you find that sketching an idea is a is it a, a way that, hmm, how do we even ask this? Is it a necessary part of you getting something like fully realized or is it the practice of just getting it down so that you could explain it to somebody else? And the reason I'm asking this is because my wife and I have very, very different ways of visualizing something. I feel like one of my superpowers is that I can visualize pretty much anything in my head. Like if I think of some shape or some construction or a room layout or I can see it and I can talk through it and I can pre-think about, I mean, I'm never going to get it all right. I'm not saying that, but I think I can pre-think about, well, if this has to move in this direction, it's going to run into these pieces. And, you know, I can see that stuff and I can say, we're going to put built-ins on that wall and they're going to be 18 inches apart and they're going to be six feet wide. I can see that. And I don't need to have it drawn out to see it, to explain it to somebody else. I have to see it. My wife is the opposite. She has a really hard time visualizing something as it's being described. You know, so I have to draw out or I have to make a model of something for us to be on the same page. And that's been one of the interesting challenges of us being married and doing renovations on multiple houses is we have to figure out how to speak speak the same language around what might be. And so I'm curious, do the sketchbooks do that for you or do you do that in the sketchbooks for other people or what? The sketchbook for me, when I sketch out an idea for a project, it is purely to save time when it comes uh, time for me to draw it up in Illustrator or Fusion 360. Because I think I can see the project in my head, but if I don't sketch it out on a piece of paper, I will spend hours in Fusion 360 trying to draw it up. But if I sketch it out on paper first, I have a, it, it speeds up the, the actual CAD drawing or the vector drawing because I know what I'm supposed to be drawing. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> For me, it's really just to help me rationalize what I'm thinking. And if I draw a sketch of an intersection of material or uh, intersection of, you know, two diff- different materials, it helps me begin to see the problems that need to be solved 
or the opportunities to change what I think I want to do. So it is the beginning of the process. Uh, I obviously make lots of changes when I'm in the real world, but when I'm sketching, it's the beginning of the blueprint of the idea for me. And sometimes I only need to draw a couple of lines and it solves a lot of problems. So I don't need to do a full realized drawing. I could just draw like a couple of little details. You'll notice in my sketchbook, a lot of times it's just details of things because the overall sketch of whatever the object is, I pretty much know. It's just how that latch is going to interact with that other latch or what this piece is, how this piece is going to dovetail or join into that other piece. Oh, what, what type of screw is going to look good on the surface, under the surface. So it, it's really an important part of what I do. It, it's almost like it's become just my process is I immediately just yeah. start drawing. And like I said, I wish I drew in my notebook 100% of the time. I draw in my notebook about 75% of the time, and I draw in just random pieces of paper the other 25% of the time. We chop up paper for all the printing press stuff, and we have thousands of little piles. I mean, thousands of pages, but probably at least 100 piles of little chops because we chop and we end up with like a two-by-four-inch piece of pile of 100 pieces of paper or 200, 300 pieces of paper, and we glue the end. And so around the shop, we have tons of these little pads. Me and Aaron are always leaving notes on them. I draw more on those than I do in my notebook because it's always, there's so many of them. They're on every surface in my notebook. It's usually on the front seat of my car because I don't always bring it inside. So uh, occasionally I'll redraw something that I'm, that I really want to not forget. I'll redraw it in my notebook or sometimes I'll just glue that sketch on a rando into the book occasionally. The, uh, a la Peter Bird that I mentioned, who's got tons of things glued and stapled into his pages. His notebooks would start out as like, like I said, like maybe a one or two inch thick giant bound book. And then by the time he was done, the book, you couldn't close it. It would be like 15 inches. Mm. It would be like a big uh, spread open, like table centerpiece just jammed with objects in the book. But, uh, you know, he was really, you, you, I, someone like him. And I also, I always think of him because he had a show in the city that was up for many years. And I visited the show several times because you could s- spend hours looking at all these stuff. The books weren't, you weren't allowed to touch the books. They were open to certain pages, but there were so many of them. And uh, I always think of him because I, I always think of like, what is the book as a whole going to look like? Like from the beginning to the end? Because, you know, if a book spans a year, you draw in certain pens. And that's another thing, too, is like the certain type of comfortability with certain types of pens. Like there's a type of sketch I'll only do with a Sharpie versus a type of sketch I'll do with a brand new sharpened Ticonderoga pencil versus one I'll do with like a clutch pencil. And uh, lately I've been drawing with a Bic pen because uh, it reminds me of like being in high school again and like kind of discovering the like drawing. And th- my my most tight refined drawings are done with just a straight up Bic pen. I find it really refreshing because they're so thin and dainty, but yet they draw fairly well. I mean, sometimes they don't draw super great, but they draw better than, you know, a cross pen refill that, you know, might cost you four bucks. This, you know, for four bucks, you'll get, you know, 25 of the Bix. And uh, the fact that they're, it's not a $50 pen or pencil, you know, you could just toss it and you can always grab another one. It'll draw exactly the same. So there's a certain constant about drawing with a Bic pen I really like. Hmm. I've been, you know, I, I put out a video on my new favorite pencil and it's one that I keep in my pocket. And it's like, I feel like I'm forcing myself to fall in love with this pencil. So I use it more. Yeah. Oh. 
Jimmy just held up his his clear Bic pen, which I haven't seen a clear one like that in a long time. It that reminds me of high school. You know what I also See, draw with too? Uh, I think I have one right here in front of me. When I go, right here, I have one from Chase Bank. <laughs> right here, here's my crotch. Is you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I moved my computer. But I love drawing with the like a a, a, sh- a crappy pen, like a little like premium pen. This is from Chase Bank, and mm. they they draw great. So you know, sometimes it, you, you need you think you need that fancy custom made pen. My favorite pen of all, by the way, is a pen I bought when I was in Paris. I went to Paris, went to Europe on a business trip, and then I went to Paris for a couple of days, and I bought a pen on some main street there where the, the arch is. I'm not even going to try and say the name of that street. And I bought a pen at the time in 95. I bought the pen. It was like $250. I was like, I got to buy something cool. Wow. And, and I still have that. It's always right under my computer in the other room. I'll do an Instagram picture of it. Uh, hmm. on friday if i can remember to show people what it is but yeah it cost me about 200 bucks at the time and i used to see them everywhere oh. in the 90s now i don't see them anymore so i, I it's like a the designer is is like philippe stark not philippe stark but somebody of his quality you know somebody of his of his generation designed a whole bunch of pens and uh yeah so sometimes it's uh it's you save a drawing for a certain pen you know that has a certain texture or something hmm. that i do it's, so, David, you said just a minute ago that you're trying to force yourself to like this pencil. Mm-hmm. Did I understand that correctly? Uh, not not to like it. I like it. I'm trying to force myself into a an emotional relationship with this pencil. Okay. Why? Be- I, I go through that, too. That's not a judgy why. <laughs> no, That's no, no. A, I'm really no, I, genuinely curious why. There are certain things. Like, okay, I, I already have kind of like an emotional relationship with the field note notebook because it is perfect for my back pocket i uh i got the the ones with the the grid on there um i want to be in this emotional relationship with the pencil so i want to use it more and it's like this is my thing this is you know like if i lose this it sucks and i gotta get that the same replacement i want to i want to like the pencil so much that i use it more and it's not something I just toss out hmm. like a big pen. I totally get okay. it. I totally I, get I, it. I, I, I was, I was hoping, I'm hoping somebody gets it, because I, w- I want to be in love with the with the most important tool in my shop, which is the, the pencil. Hmm. Yeah, I find like when it comes to drawing with pencils, the most, the most enjoyable experience is just the Ticonderoga yellow pencil. Something about the paint on it. This is going into the real weeds, but something about the paint on the pencil itself, and this is going to be crazy, the way it feels in my teeth when I put it in my mouth, when I bite on it, and the way the eraser works, and the way it looks, and just the weight of it. So I, I, on occasion, when I'm walking through Walmart, if I see a good package of Ticonderoga pencils, yellow, they have to be yellow, the black ones I don't really love so much, but I buy you know, 50 at a time and I sharpen them all. And then in like two weeks, they're all gone. I have no idea where they go. <laughs> yeah. So. I have, um, I, I did an Instagram post with them a couple of years ago. So they sent me a huge box of them and it's, it's just a regular wooden pencil and, and they're great, but there's something about the name of the pencil that makes you like it more. Sure. And then, um, uh, can't read cause I don't have my glasses on. This is the black wig. 502 they sent me a bunch saying cool videos 
they wouldn't do any kind of sponsorship, but they sent me a whole bunch of their pencils and, and pencil sharper, and they're great. And they got the weird flat eraser. Um, and this, I don't. It has. There's something about the eraser part, like this little metal. It's scratchy. It doesn't feel good to to touch it, and it feels like it's going to scratch my desk. So I, I, and I, I don't use them. <laughs> so I'm so picky. I know it's so. It's such a weird relationship, but it is what it is. <laughs> it is what no, it is. I, I think most. You know, it's funny. I got. I really liked this pen for a little while. I, I bought a moleskin. I used to buy moleskins all the time, like the like the half inch thick ones that are like maybe like six by eight. You know, kind of like the medium sized ones. And there was a moleskin pencil I saw for sale that kind of sits flat, square on the end of a moleskin uh, pen, rather. And I really liked that pen. It was in a square body that the tip kind of went to round. And the push, push, push button on the back of the pen was also square. And it was kind of, and it had the same texture as a moleskin, kind of like off shiny, you know, kind of satin. And uh, that was my favorite pen for a little while. And then the ink ran out and I just, it sits on my desk because I just like the shape of it, but I don't, I don't use it. It had like a weird little flat tab that you could tab into the book. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's certain pens and pencils absolutely inspire me to draw. And uh, I know Jocko can relate to this. Jocko, whenever we go to the art store together, we, we end up both leaving with like 25 different pens and pencils. Like you buy, <laughs> you're like, ah, it's only five bucks. Ah, it's only three bucks. Ah, it's only eight bucks. And then you leave, you're buying $300 worth of pens and pencils and markers and Sharpies and such. Well, see, it's funny that you mentioned him because I was, <laughs> while you guys were talking, I was trying to figure out why I was curious about what you said about wanting forcing yourself to use the pencil to get a connection to it. And that seems for my personality, that seems like the opposite of my natural uh, inclination to loving something like, and, and the first thing that came to mind was my maker knife. That is the thing above all the other stuff that I pick up throughout the day. That is the thing that I want to have on me. And that's not because he's a good friend of mine. It's because I got, I bought it because he's a friend of mine. And then I realized, like, this is a super sleek, perfect, not perfect, perfectly shaped knife that does exactly what it needs to do. Obviously, I need different knives for different things. It's not like the end all be all. But that is an object that I definitely want to have on me. And I didn't decide to love it that much. I just love it that much because I started using it. And so I guess that's the opposite side Mm -hmm. of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You're looking to... You want to love something so much, and so you're using it to try to create that connection. Whereas, like I, most things that I have feel very—I mean, most things like I'm, I'm pointing at my entire house. Most things I have feel very disposable to me. I'm not connected to these things, except when I've used something in a way that, like that knife, or like my Rhodes piano when I've used something and I it has created that connection just through use like that's a thing that I don't want to lose I don't want to like give up on I want to try to figure out how to use more but I don't think I've ever actually tried to go create that connection so that's why it caught me off guard mm-hmm. when you said that it was just like oh, it's, that's it's not something I do opposite for me that it is not a normal thing that is uh most I don't have a physical connection to most things like if I make something there is no uh, not, not physical, emotional connection. If I make something, I'm so detached from that project when I'm done with it. I don't care if it burns in a fire. Um, I don't normally 
build these connections with meaningless physical objects. But I, but this one thing, I think if, if I can, if I can build upon that relationship with this pencil, I feel like it can actually help my career. It, it can help me become a better maker. It can help me come up with better ideas. And we're always trying to trick ourselves into being more creative or coming up with bigger and better projects. And so this is how I'm trying to trick myself. I just, I had a visualization of like a, like a, a pencil cup holder on your desk and you're walking in and all the pencils go, pick me, pick me, pick me. They're all like animated and like, I hope he picks me. I hope he picks me. Yeah, there you go. And the scissors are being like, oh, just shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Stop all. That's, that's you guys me. can't do what I do. That's what the scissors are saying. You guys, <laughs> you guys can't see this, but uh, that's, uh, that is beautiful Bubinga covered in melted crayon. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> covered in melted crayon. crayon. <laughs> Um, well, you guys got anything else you want to chat through here? I've I had to restart my recording, so I have no long, no idea how long we've been talking. But uh, one, we're at one hour right now, as far as okay. I. But then oh. we had the few minutes of Dave's interruption. But uh, yeah, no, we're we're at like fifty fifty five minutes, fifty four, right. fifty seven, fifty eight minutes. No, <laughs> fifty seven four eight minutes. Cool. Yeah, you guys got anything it. else on this on pencils or notebooks or whatever? Hmm. No, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I guess if people I'm curious to hear people's uh, tweet tweeted reactions to like how how a pen or a pencil influences or inspires your want or need to sketch and draw. So I'd be curious to see some tweets about that. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Well, um, let me thank our Patreon supporters real quick because they are awesome. Big thanks to our top supporters, Corey Ward. Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Designs, Corey from Makeshape Create, and Odin Leather Goods. Um, those are just a few of the many people who help out the show, who support us on Patreon, and they all get the after show, which is more of us talking. I have a little thing about multitasking that I want to talk about today that I wanted to kind of talk about now, but the show's going long, so... It may be a whole topic by itself. So we're going to talk about that today. Usually that's where we talk about secret stuff and all that as well. Uh, it's a separate podcast feed that only Patreon supporters get. So if you want to get that or you just want to help us out, go to patreon.com slash making it. We would appreciate it. And we do appreciate it. So thank you very much. Thank you for that. What you got? Something cool to recommend? I want to recommend Blondie Hacks. She made the thing that lines up the letters that i steal that from everybody everybody's gonna say that no go ahead oh she makes a a letter punch guide and honestly i i only saw it on instagram and i immediately said that is something that everybody has thought to make but nobody's made it so somebody's finally made it and it's, <laughs> and it's a great little thing because i'm always using punch letters but she made a guide so that you could just punch your letters and they all stay in line and it's movable and and the invention is thought through well so very, very, very cool. And then also look up Peter Beard, the photographer whose journals are works of art in and of themselves. So mine is a YouTube channel called YC Imaging. I'm always trying to pull inspiration from other people who do something completely different than me. And so he has, it's one of those filmmaking channels, but he he's a hip hop video uh, maker uh videographer producer um and his channel is not about those hip-hop videos his channel is, is just about 
making videos and his tricks and his techniques and stuff. And um, it's 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 really good. So if you want to make better videos, this is the channel you should check out. Mine is our buddy Andrew Wong, which I've talked about many times, but he put out a video called I Hate My Voice uh, last week. And it the video is about nine minutes long, and the last good portion of it is a comparison of some microphones and stuff. So it's not... The, the thing that hit me was the beginning of it. He talks about how he hates his speaking voice and his singing voice, but he sings anyway on his hundreds of songs that he's produced. And he has a really good little thing about talking talking about how if you silence your own voice because you're worried what other people are going to say about it, then you're potentially robbing a lot of other people from what you have to offer. And it's just a really... He's really well-spoken when it comes to stuff like that. It's a good little reminder about how important our physical voices and our actual, like, what we want to say, get out into the world voices, how important those are. So just go watch that little, you know, the beginning of it. And once he pulls the microphones out, you can click off of it if you're not interested in that. (laughs) Go check that out. Speaking of, if you heard that, I personally could barely tell the difference between the three microphones. I don't know if you heard I that. Could, I can't. Watch that video, but... I couldn't tell. Yeah. I could not tell. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like a $3,000 versus a $1,500 versus a $400 microphone. And like the 400 I can kind of hear a difference, but the other ones, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, go check him out. And I'll put a link to the Picasso sketch of the cat in the show notes. Is that well. what it is? Go see that. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a pig? Yeah, I thought no, it was a pig. No, the nose isn't round. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I don't know. Can't be a pig. Go look at the link and tell us what animal it is. Oh, we should do a whole episode just right, on guys... looking at that sketch and trying to figure out what it is. That'd be fun. <laughs> oh, before we go, before we go, did you guys yes. enjoy uh, the audience? Uh, guys and gals, I'm sorry. Did everybody enjoy the um, the podcast that we did last week? Because we, we tried something a little bit, or two weeks ago, where we tried something a little bit different, where we learned something new, and we kind of talked about it. And because somebody mentioned, like, we should talk about fun. harpsichords a lot more, because Bob brought in some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was good. So, <laughs> uh, was good. just hit a, hit me up on Twitter and let let me know if uh, if you guys want more of that. You know what? You know what? That remind that reminds me would be interesting. It's basically the same idea, but let's say we come back with a with a word. Yeah, that is oh, a word. A association. That, could, hey, did you know what a, a hop diddly scotch is? Do you uh, know what that is? And then we can go on to define it. You know, we could try and stump each other. And, you know, it could huh. be something related to making. That's a cool idea. Yeah. So, um, one thing that I, I forgot since you brought that up, I forgot to mention it last week. I didn't think about it in the context. But the word piano is the, the full is pianoforte quiet and loud and that's where the name for the piano came from because you can make it quiet and loud versus the harpsichord where you can't several people sent me messages to tell me that and just to be clear i knew that i just didn't say it in the show (laughs) so yeah but i think that's pretty cool because you know i mean the name of the thing describes what the thing does yeah like a lot of things like orange all right you guys got anything (laughs) else for this week that's that's good that's a good place to stop Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, catch you next time. Love you and yawning. Sorry. <laughs> Love you too. <laughs>